nation, any race, anything where there's an end goal. And if you don't get there, then you get that, what, DNF? You get that did not finish? You, you didn't complete. You didn't. Some of y'all got that in school. <laughs> DNF. <laughs> you know? <laughs> did not finish. You know, right? Because there's a goal. Why you, you identify there's a goal. Hey, look, I can say that because y'all already know. I had to go get my... Anyway, all right. <laughs> if you don't know and you were offended, talk to me later, and, and you'll know why you shouldn't be. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. But there has to be a goal. The idea of a course means there's an end to it somewhere. And stopping short... Doesn't matter how well you ran the race, if you don't finish. And along the path, then there have to be markers to identify progress. We have a, um, we have a friend, and, and several of you guys know Bobby Smith. And, and Bobby, man, he runs these marathons. I think he's about to run some 100-mile thing and, and all kind of stuff. And, and when I watch some of his posts, a lot of times he'll be talking about, hey, you know, all right, so I've, I've made it to where I can run this far. And then, see, he's identifying markers along the path of preparing to be able to run some race. He has an end goal. It's 100 miles. And, but he's learned, all right, I got to 25. Hey, I got to 33. Hey, I got to 50, and I was able to do. See, he identifies these markers along the course, but in order to find markers along the course, there has to be an end. And there has to be something that's laid out. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, this is what Paul said. He said, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He said, I, I, don't, I don't consider my life to have value and precious to me, I only want to finish my course. All right, now think about this. Here he is. Here he is saying this in Acts, knowing what we've read in Timothy. When So at one point in his life early on, he identified some milestones. He identified the laid out path. And he identified the end goal. And he said, my life's not important, but I want to just finish my course and complete the ministry that I received. <coughs> from Jesus. I want to testify to the gospel of the grace of God because he says that, that is the course and the ministry that Jesus called me to. And then we jump all the way over then in Timothy where we're reading and he says, I fought the good fight. I finished Back here I said, I just want to be able to finish. And now I've gotten to the end and I can say, I did it. I finished. I didn't just run well. I didn't just do good halfway through and then give up. But I finished. Sometimes I may have fallen down. Sometimes I may have you know, skinned my knee. I may have had to get back up and struggle along. But I finished. 
Starting is easy for a large portion of people, but finishing is a characteristic of a much smaller subset of people. I thought through. Look back at one year. Starting is easy. You know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, of church plants, a lot of people start them. I mean, they, they spring up all over. I mean, they really do. I mean, it's kind of the trend right now is church plant. And, and so they start all over, and then, and then you can be a year down the road, you can be two years down. The, the percentage, I think it's 80-some-odd percent of church plants die within the first two years. Starting is easy. Finishing is hard. Being consistent in your spiritual life, of being committed in your spiritual life, of being disciplined in prayer and in the Word and all these things. Starting sometimes is easy. Finishing is hard. Six months down the road, trying to still do that is hard. A year down the road, it can be hard. That's why I think that Paul expressed what he did when he said, I just want to be able to finish because he knew. Look, if we examine ourselves, we know there are many things that are easy to start, but sometimes they're hard to finish. But, but what are the reasons? What are the reasons that we don't finish? I just want to give you some. The first one is we don't value the goal. We like the idea of something when we start. For a lot of people, we, they like the idea of marriage when they start, but they don't value the goal. Maybe you like the idea of a project that you start, but you don't value maybe the end goal. And so once it gets a little tougher and it's harder to complete, then, ah, you know, okay. You know? And so maybe that thing just sits to the side and it's 75% done and it's that last 25% that's hard because we don't value the goal enough. I wonder sometimes when People kind of get excited and have, uh, you know, some emotional response to, to church or whatever. Uh, sometimes I don't think they have the goal in mind. I don't think they have that end result in mind, and therefore, and they don't value that goal. Come on. Because then when times get hard, instead of keeping your eye on the prize and pressing toward the mark and, and continuing on... Because the goal really wasn't what was important the whole time. One of the other reasons that we don't finish is because sometimes we place high value on our own comfort and our own wants. And so, you know, when, when we take off and we're on this, this race of, of our, our life in Christ, and, and then you can apply this into about anything, honestly whether it's a project, whether it's a task you're going after, whether it's a relationship, no matter what it is. Sometimes then the reason that we will quit is because that we, get a, we place that high value on our own comfort. And sometimes things move us out of our comfort zone. And they become difficult to fight through and to do. And when it becomes difficult, then our comfort takes over. And we say, I, this is too hard. This is not worth fighting 
for. And so when I look back at one year of, of Unity Point, I realize that that first year is kind of like your honeymoon, right? Maybe your honeymoon didn't last a whole year. <laughs> Might have been doing good, you know, making a month, you know, or whatever. You know, maybe a couple days. <laughs> but if you got the goal in mind and you have that end view and you place high value on that goal, then you will be willing at times to submit your comfort or your discomfort in order to fight for something that you place high value on. Come on but if we place high value on our own comfort and our own wants, then sometimes we'll say, yeah, you know, yes. And so oftentimes I believe in looking back, I'm so thankful that we have people that, that have placed high value, even though many of you have faced struggles and difficulty and hard circumstances in this last year, but you have placed a higher value on what you feel that God has called in your life, whether that is relationship, whether that is here, whether that is your children, no matter what it is, some things probably we don't even know about. But you have placed a high enough value on those things that you are willing to submit your own discomfort in order to continue pursuing what you believe God has put into your life. One of the reasons that we don't finish is because we allow ourselves to be distracted. It's kind of, a, it's kind of like those people that, you know, they're like a squirrel. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, oh, something shiny just, just blew by, you know? Wait a minute. What about now? <laughs> we allow ourselves to get distracted. See, sometimes I think we, we, uh, we over-clutter our lives. I, I know my wife here lately, she has been on this thing of, she's like, let's get rid of stuff. I just, I'm getting, you know, clutter. Ah, you know? You know what? A lot, we need to do some of that in our lives. Not... We're, we're far more willing to try to do it in our homes than we are in our lives. In stopping and looking at our lives and saying, hey, you know what? It's not that some things are bad. It's just that some things are distracting. It's not about identifying terrible things that are going on in our lives, but identifying that some things are siphoning away our time, our energy, our emotion, our focus away from things that are of the most important value in our lives. And God really needs to be at the top of that list. Not you, not your spouse, not your children, not your job, not any of those things, but God Himself. Because when God becomes that priority, He will pervade every one of those other areas. If you make your children a priority over that, then you will neglect God over your children. But if you make God a priority, you will not neglect your children. If you make God a priority, you won't neglect your job. You won't neglect your spouse. You won't neglect these other things because God will pervade all of those areas of life and you won't be distracted. 
New things distract people. New things distract us in our lives. Something new comes along. Right? Somebody else gets a new car. We get distracted. You, you've been trying to work on paying off your bills, but all of a sudden, you, oh, hey, well, I need that. You get distracted. Y'all know this, huh? Sometimes some long legs walk by. Look at all. What are y'all smiling about back there? <laughs> and you get distracted away from your wife. Sometimes the guy walks by, it looks like he got it all together, and he's pretty buff. And you looking at your husband going, he's pretty rough. <laughs> and you get distracted, right? Come on. Yeah. I've been, been quit eating them biscuits. Hey, man. Like them biscuits. If you don't want me to be this way, don't cook like that. I'm just showing my appreciation by eating it. We can get distracted. We can get distracted away from our, in our spiritual life because some new, I see this a lot in, in now that social media is so prevalent. I see this a lot in, and friends of mine and whatever. Because a new program comes along, a new series comes along, a new method comes along, and they get away from just reading the Word, praying, and loving. Just loving God, loving people, loving His Word, loving prayer, just basic things. Get distracted by something else and it takes you away. Now, one of the last ones I want to throw out is because we keep changing courses. Well, I think God's put me on this path. And so you take off and three months, four months down the road, go, wait, wait a minute, I, I, I think I need to get on this path. I need to get over on this course over here. And so you start all over again. And then, yeah, wait, wait, wait a minute, another three or four, I think I'm supposed to be on this course over here. And so you get over there. And honestly, you never get very far. Because sometimes you can't finish because you don't stay on the course long enough to finish. You're... you're you jump back and forth. Churches can do that. Churches do that when they lose a focus on the vision of what God has given them and the mission that God has put them on. We all have a similar... I, I, I had someone uh, ask a question here this past week, and they said, how do you define... They asked a group of us, how do you define successful ministry? And I said, Matthew 25 and Matthew 28. I said, Matthew 25, he said, to the least of these. So are you, are you trying to serve the least of these? Matthew 28, go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to observe the commands that Jesus has given. So if you're ministering to the, to the least and you're going and making disciples, then you're going to teach them to minister to the least. You're going to fulfill, you're going to do all that stuff. So you think about it. Think about it when you minister to the least. As you're doing what we talked about and we saw last week. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. Two commandments that he, that he gave. He said, hey, these, these, these are the great ones. Is, is You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like unto this. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
doing for the least of these, going to make disciples. How much do you have to hate people? Remember, y'all remember I gave you the pen and teller quote on this. How much do you have to hate someone to not share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? If you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, then you want them to know the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, that's what Paul said, he said, he said, I'm fighting the fight for you because I want you to know about this. I want to complete what I've been given to do, which is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't keep changing courses and get off track and then you never finish. Starting something... Or it says it's exciting, it's energizing, it's new, and it's not. But finishing requires repetition. It requires consistency in the process. It requires willingness to find satisfaction in the journey. Because a lot of times people, because the newness wears off in their life, no matter what it is, when the newness wears off, well, I've got go, to change courses and go find something that's new again. Instead of saying, all right, now is the time where maturity takes over and discipline takes over. That we're going to keep working this process. We're going to keep doing these steps. I'm going to do these things every day. And I'm going to find satisfaction in the journey. I'm going to find satisfaction in those milestones. Those mile markers that tell me, hey, I'm further along at the beginning of 2016 than I was at the beginning of 2015. Finally, Paul talked about the faith. Common belief. New Testament Christianity was never just about getting saved. It included commitment to the faith. Acts chapter 16, verses 4 and 5. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them, this is the, to the churches, for observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Now, we don't have... You've got to remember, you got to remember, you didn't have New Testament Scripture when this is going on. These guys are beginning to write this stuff because part of what was being delivered to these churches... And these, these teachings and these, these decisions were what we then begin to find as being our New Testament. It was these letters that, that would go out and say, hey, here is teaching about what you ought to be doing according to what Jesus taught and what we see in Scripture. And so as they went on their ways and they delivered this, and in my mind, then I just kind of take that and go, they got into what we now know as the Word, the New Testament. And they had the old already. As they went into that, and that's what they shared amongst each other, then the result was that the churches were strengthened in the faith. One of the reasons that Paul could say, I've kept the faith, is because that he stayed true to what became the Word of God. He stayed true to what Jesus taught. One of the reasons that we see struggle in people leaving the faith. And honestly, one of the reasons that we see young people leaving the faith is because we don't do what these guys were doing. We don't take the Word of God and communicate that to people so that the end result will be that they are strengthened in the faith. In the church world, if we aren't preaching the Gospel, if we aren't preaching the Word, if we aren't preaching Jesus 
then people don't get strengthened in the faith. Look, I want you to be able to get through the challenges in your life. And I can give you some self-help stuff, but that is really not what you need. You need the self-help that comes out of the Word of God and Jesus Christ. You need the, the, the assistance that's going to come from a comforter in the Holy Spirit who the Bible says will lead and guide you into all truth. And you're going to find that in the Word. You're going to find that contained in those pages and His Holy Spirit then revealing and making the Word alive in your heart as you dig into it. When we communicate the Word then we strengthen ourselves in the faith. And wow, in a culture that was willing to kill and persecute Christians, kind of like what we see overseas, but we don't have it here. We don't really have... Let's not get ready to say that we're being persecuted yet. We're not there, guys. When other people are getting their heads cut off and, and they, all their property seized on, we're not there yet. Yet. But... We're not there yet. That's right. So, but keep in mind then that in that same environment, they were increasing in numbers daily, every day. Romans chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will... I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. It's the faith that we each have, the common belief is to be an encouragement between us. You know, when we read in Hebrews and it tells us about don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves as a manner of some is, especially as you see that day approaching. That gets used a lot of times, you know, honestly, just to make sure there's numbers sitting in the, in the chairs. It, it can get misused with intent. But I'm going to tell you that this is the reality of why that matters. Paul said, I so long to want to come see you. I so long to want to come and to be able to fellowship with you and, and to give something. And he says, here's what it is that I want to be able to do. I want our mutual faith, yours and mine, to encourage the both of us. I want us to be able to come. Here's what's important, guys. Look, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that we fellowship. And Wendy kind of reminded us of this Wednesday night. Man, when we get together, we like being around each other. And so, you know, we, we're talking and sharing and cutting up, and Jerry's teaching a class. Ask, ask Brandon about that later. And, and you know, anyway, yet what happens on Wednesday night, you know, stays on Wednesday night. But more importantly, out of all of those things, is that our mutual faith needs to encourage each other. Look, I, I, I love the fact that... that that you know that that we have the great fellowship. Man, it's some of the I, I've never been anywhere. I, I can honestly say I've not not been in another church where we have the the kind of fellowship. And I believe we have even greater potential for. But I'm telling you what, when somebody walks up to me on Sunday morning and says, "I prayed for you this morning," 
Look, I enjoy being around y'all. I enjoy our friendships and all that. But our mutual faith in that moment encourages me beyond any friendship, encourages me beyond anything else. Our mutual faith is what Paul was saying when, when then the two come together. He says, then we're going to encourage each other because of our faith, mine and yours. Finishing well. Now is the time. See, the, the time to prepare to finish well is long before you're nearing the finish line. It's, it's, it's too late if you haven't trained. It's too late if you haven't put the effort in. It's too late if you don't know where the goal is. It's too late if you haven't done the things necessary and then to go, oh my goodness, I really want to. So Paul, at the very beginning of, of all of this, and, and really in Acts, so it's, it's after they've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to become witnesses, all of this, he says, I just want to finish. Look, I, I'm, not, I'm not concerned about any of us necessarily looking that great while we're running early on. You know? Your gait may not be fantastic. You may not be gliding like a gazelle through your spiritual life. You know? I hope we're all going to get there at some point. You know, that it's going to kind of smooth out a little bit. Not have that hitch in it, you know, like we... <laughs> but you're running! You're in the race. You've got your eye on the goal. You're, I want you to not get distracted. I want you to not be pulled aside by the shiny things of life that come by and that want to pull you away from this goal that you have in your family and in your personal life and in your church. The time to prepare to finish well is not five years into Unity Point. It was one year before when we were doing things. It was one year ago when we first started, and it's today. If we intend to say that we fought the good fight, that we finished the race, that we kept the faith, if you intend to do that at a personal level, then you have to act now. Not later. You need to act now. You say, well, I've already done. That's great. We, need, we still need to keep acting on that. And if we as a church want to be able to say, at some point down the road, at some point, no matter how long God tarries before He sends Jesus back, if we want to be able to say and stand before Him really as a body, as a fellowship of believers, and say, God, what You called us to at Unity Point, we fought the good fight. We finished the race. Father, we kept the faith. Then we've got to act now. My friends, I'm writing to let you know that whether you like it or not, you're in the war zone. There's an enemy seeking to destroy you, and his allies are always coming after you. Believe me when I say the battle requires everything you got. Mental fortitude, physical prowess, and above all else, a prayerful dependence on the king who is faithfully giving you everything you need spiritual power, knowledge, and understanding that will take for you to prevail. I beg you to continually read his word. His strategy is perfect. And even though the war has already been won, don't let that knock you off guard and lead you into complacency. 
there is an urgency to all of this, and we have a commandment to follow. Now, and this is very important, when you're out there, remember you're not fighting against flesh and blood, so don't get sidetracked or pulled into useless sparring matches. Stay the course. Since we fight differently than others, we'll be treated differently. Keep your eyes and ears open because we're being fired in from all directions. Be on the lookout, especially for spiritual and mental attacks. The enemy's ammunition is deceit, doubt, and fear, and it's launched strategically in the things we see, hear, and read. He is a wicked influencer, and he moves people to hurl vicious attacks on us, and he'll do everything he can to destroy the foundation of our faith and blind us so we don't help others. Stay bold. Stay true. Remain sober-minded. Hold closely the authentic word so you can spot the counterfeit immediately and demolish it. Don't fall for angel tricks or sleight of hand misdirection. It's all fake and empty. Stand firm on the king's foundation. Go the distance. Fight the good fight. I know it's not easy, but now is not the time to run and hide. It's time to proclaim the truth and live by it. It's time to be ready and willing to boldly run forward with the gospel of peace as your inspiration. In one hand, you hold the impenetrable shield of faith, and in the other, the sword. Strike down arguments, ideas, and causes against the king. Be wise and make the most of every opportunity. Lastly, my friends, be prepared to answer people who genuinely want to know where your hope comes from in the midst of all this. They're in this war too, but they don't have the hope you do. Try to remember what that was like. Help them. Teach them the way. I wish I could have written about something entirely different. In fact, that's what I started out to do. But instead, my friends, I was compelled to urge you all I can only ask us, can only ask us to be willing to sign up and commit as individuals to your relationship with God, for it to be such that you would feel comfortable in saying, my pursuit is to be able to say, I will have fought the good fight. I will finish the course. And I will keep the faith. A lot of times, I would probably get, be getting to the end of a service and I would be saying that I want to share the message of salvation and and I want to give people an opportunity to raise their hand and say, I want to receive Christ. It's not that I'm not finding that to be important today at all, but I feel something different. See, church folks normally escape from this situation because we've already accepted Christ. We don't ever have to raise our hand. We don't ever have to stand up. We don't ever have to do any of those things. But I'm going to ask you something different today. We're going to take a moment. We're going to take just a moment and we're going to think through. Do I really want to fight the good fight? Do I really want to finish the race.
Do I really want to keep the faith? And I'm not talking about you responding because that, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Look, we already, if you've been around here for very long, you've already kind of figured out that we're not a church that really tries to believe in uh, you doing something because you think that's what you ought to do. But I'm going to ask you to do something different today. We're going to take a moment. I'm going to pray. We're going to think through that. Do I want to fight the good fight? Do I want to finish the race? Do I want to keep the faith? And then as we pray, you don't have to wait till I'm done. But as we pray, if you say, I'm in, then I want you to stand. So let's pray.